You're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show, or just tell a friend. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Job Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern legacy format. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the unspeakable one himself, Michael Matson. How are you? I'm okay. Got a bit of a headache, but that's fine. The show must go on. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, we actually just started doing uh, back-to-school stuff. Uh, since it's my first I guess, start to the year in my district, I have to go to a induction, which sounds like I should be... Um, heating up coils or something, but um, just like the, their onboarding process for new teachers in the in the school district. So I've been there the last two days or so, which has been as as exciting as it sounds. So, did you see that they're bringing back uh, like top eight pins for RCQs? No, I didn't. I'm. Uh, I like those pins. Next season, but I just feel like. There's so many RCQs. I also feel like there's no <laughs> RCQs. But, like, mm-hmm. I just remember how obnoxious it was when people had, like, the PTQ top eight pins, like, all over their playmats. And if you were one mm-hmm. of those people, yes, I am talking about you. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, now that I've alienated part of our audience, um, I just, those pins were really annoying. And now I just feel like if you give them out at RCQ top eights, like, so many people are going to have them. Like, is it. Like, I don't want to say it's, like, not special to top eight an event, because obviously top eighting an event is always great, and, like, you should be happy with your accomplishment, but, like, I just feel like a lot of people are going to get these. Well, I know it's different in different countries. Like, I know Canada, you can just keep grinding. I think Dom Harvey's just been, like, eating up all, <laughs> all the RCQs I don't think Canada. Dom has, but, um... God, why am I blanking? Uh, and the last name I can't think of I think has Wilson? like 11 uh, oh, <laughs> invites that's ridiculous yeah it's I think it's hysterical also like you know people have that argument over like oh you should be trying to grow the game blah 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 um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take the controversial stance here and say hey those people like they just literally didn't earn it like he owes them yeah. nothing like if I don't know. I just, like, if I got to the finals, um, as much as I want that qualification, like, I don't want to get it because my opponent just, like, conceded to me. That doesn't feel earned. Like, I just want to beat the people. And, like, if you can't beat him, he's the kind of opponent you're going to be seeing at, like, the, the what is it called, the regional tour and at the pro tour. Like, so I don't, I don't know. I just kind of feel like, you know, you, you didn't earn it. Like, you have to be able to beat players of that caliber. Yeah, I mean, it's a valid point. I mean, if they if they let you compete, it's not like you're doing anything against the rules here. So I, I always, you know, embrace the competition. I, I definitely see it's kind of frustrating because, like, it, yeah, going back to Dom Harvey's Twitter, he definitely did uh, win an RCQ this past weekend, which was a, a redundant one. But, like like you said, you're, you're going to have to play Dom Harvey at, <laughs> at your regional championship anyway. So, like, 
get used to it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I, I get the frustration. Like, I would also be mad if I got to the finals and lost. But, like, I'm going to be mad if I got to the finals and lost to anyone. It's, like, I'm not yeah. mad because they're qualified. Like, I'm mad because, like, I wanted better of myself. And I, I don't know. I just feel like that should be the mentality. Hashtag shrink the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a tough road anyways, but there are, at least in the U.S., right, uh, because of the way that ours is set up, right, you win one, you know, RCQ, you're done. If you end up being the person who has, like, ten pins, like, I feel sorry for you. You top-aided ten of them and couldn't convert one? That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> that would feel pretty bad. Yeah, like, Dom actually is just, at this point, it's just, like, hunt, like headhunting, which is, like, kind of cool but yeah it's, it's kind of bad if you just like accumulate them because you never queued uh but i mean I, I i've been there before i've definitely i top aided three ptqs and like three back to back to back weeks and then never converted so i i get the pain the winner gets a lanyard though i kind of want the lanyard even though like i won't use it i just kind of want it just like a regular lanyard, just like this I mean, like RCQ winner. It's kind of cool looking. It says champion on it. I mm-hmm. I guess the lanyard's you not like really a like thing you can hang on hang on it that says champion. I don't know. It, it's it's got like Teferi on it. It it looks cool. Like I I'm being very genuine when I say that. It's, it does not sound cool. I'm gonna be honest with you, but I I believe you. It, I'm sure it's very exciting. I mean, I wouldn't call it exciting, but it it is nice looking. If okay. I'm if I ever use lanyards, I would use this one. I just I, like I don't use lanyards, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I use mine for work, and that's basically it. So oh, I would absolutely doesn't... use this if I wore a lanyard at work. Let everyone know what a nerd I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss actually did. Well, one of my bosses. My, my school system is very confusing in terms of who's my boss, but this guy is definitely my boss. Um, he, I was telling him about magic, and he's like, yeah, tell me more about this. So I told him about it. He's like, you know what? I knew you were a nerd, but like, this this really seals it for me. It's like, thanks? <laughs> like, I, I guess? Um, but he was suggesting I do like a magic club or something like that to teach the next generation of magic players. You could? I could be fun i think I, I don't really know what they would want to do like that's one of those things like if we did like you know every two weeks we'd, we'll do a draft like that sounds fun but like i guess it could be like every two weeks we do a draft every other week we like play commander or like i proxy up like standard decks or like pioneer decks and just like let them jam like i could do that i don't know you could do any. You could do all of it. Who knows? Good. Well, we got a, a kind of a. I don't want to say a slow news week. I know there have been some things that happened, but like nothing super super exciting. Uh, I did want to talk about my RCQ because I did play an RCQ this last week. Uh, but I mean, besides that, just I, I feel like we should just kind of talk about some cool decks that popped up over the past you know seven days and. Go from there. Sound good? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I did play a RCQ 
this last week, and it was Pioneer. So I'm going to try to keep this as general as possible, just to, because I know our audience is not really Pioneer people, but we do have a lot of competitive players who do play Pioneer late, lately because it is a popular format for the RCQs. And if you're going to be going to SCG Baltimore, like you and I are, uh, you're, you might have a friend who's playing Pioneer as well. So hopefully there's something something in this for everybody, even if you're not a big uh, Pioneer fan. Um, I've been trying to play this version of Phoenix, and I'm trying to figure out like exactly what I want to do with it. Uh, this is the version I played at our last team event, actually, when we played uh, three weeks ago with uh, Josh as our partner. Um, so it's a relatively straightforward list. Um, if you go on to the Dark Depths page, we do have the links uh, that we talk about all the time. Uh, one of them is to my Mox field, so you can actually just check out the deck list that I have there. Um, it's the same Blue-Red Phoenix list you'll see. It, it is pretty stock. I mean, like, I'm playing four Legend Shredder, two Thing in the Ice in the main. Different spread of removal spells. But I've liked it overall. Um, the deck has been really, really kind to me. There are definitely some things that are, are I don't want to say not stock, but things that are other people are doing differently. Uh, for example, like, I'm only playing three Treasure Crews, not four. Uh, just because I always feel like it's kind of bulky as is. So I'm trying to make sure it's as thin as possible. So that's, like, one, I don't say popular change, but the one thing I'm seeing different. Charter Course is another card I'm playing. I know some people are playing, like, strategic planning instead, which I get the appeal, but I, I haven't had success with it. So uh, I'm still playing Charter Course. Uh, so a couple other cards like that, too. Nothing super, super crazy. Uh, but I did get to play the RCQ uh, with, like, 70 people, something like that. We ended up playing uh, six rounds of Swiss, which was kind of nice. Ended up playing against, like, an Esper Control deck in the first round, which, with this deck, is, I think, really, really nice. They don't... Like, Blue-White, I think, does have the same issue at points. I think Blue-White's a little better just because they have a more dedicated plan. But with Esper, like, they have, you know, Fatal Pushes, and they have other black cards. I don't know. They had... um. I can't think of what it's even called. It's like a white, blue, black, uh, can't be countered, and you destroy a target. Void permanent rend. Void rend. Right? They had that in the deck. But, like, it, it's a control deck. And I think that, in general, if they don't have a proactive way to kill you, which is obviously hard in the blue-white deck, um, or they can't remove every one of your creatures, they just, like, run into issues. So um, I ended up... Having, I don't want to say like a relatively easy game, but I had a game where I was able to just land a letter, a ledger shredder, and do stuff. Um, eventually, got I had phoenixes in the graveyard that I was just like not putting into play until they eventually had to deal with my my shredders, and then I just flashback killed them with uh, arcway phoenixes and haul the bandit or haul the storm giants. So. Um, and game two went a very similar way. Um, I actually just kind of boarded in a bunch of removal. Like, uh, sideboard, I, I have what, Crackling Drake, I have Disdainful Stroke, I've got Fry, I've got Jace, I've got Mystical Disputes, I've got Spell Pierces, I've got Young Pyromancers. I literally just kind of boarded into, like, a fish deck and just, like, played a small creature, let it do its work. You know, maybe you have the removal spell, maybe you don't, but, like, just, like, not playing into Wrath, not playing into Settle the Wreckage, just attacking slowly but surely. And th kind of the same thing happened where we got into a situation where they decided they wanted to play Teferi, uh, big Teferi, five minutes Teferi, 
and they had a dispute or two disputes, but I ended up having enough to like a dispute and two spell pierces, which was enough to tap them out. And then I just took uh, two extra turns with the galvanic iteration into a uh, temporal trespass and just won the game from there, which was, which was really nice. So, uh, that was round one. Uh, round two ended up playing on camera, which I I haven't seen the stream yet. I know um, AU, the story we played at, has a stream. Um, once I find it, um, or their YouTube, I'll post it in the show notes. But uh, I played against like a white humans deck, which I haven't actually seen humans in Pioneer. Have you seen that deck? Yes. Also, the... The video will not be posted when this goes live. No, yeah, it won't be posted by then, but I'll, I'll try to at least link the YouTube page or whatever just so people can check out their stuff. I, I always like the the content that AU puts up. And we're, we're friends with them, too, so... Uh, but, yeah, the, and the human deck is a lot closer to the modern version of the deck than I, than I really considered. Like, they had some really strong, aggressive starts... Um, I mean, obviously, not having Aether Vial is a, a hit, but, I mean, you still had really strong, you know, you know, one drop into uh, Thal's Lieutenant, into uh, Thalia, Heretic Cathar, like, they definitely put on some really strong hands there, so I was kind of impressed. Um, I ended up losing game one, uh, just because they kind of overwhelmed me. I kind of, my hand was, like, not terrible, but, like, it was one removal spell, an opt, and a consider, and four lands, and I was like, this will get there. Um, it didn't. Uh, the, I, I ended up removing one creature, and then I proceeded to not actually affect the board at all. I didn't find any creatures. I didn't find... Uh, I just drew more and more uh, draw spells or lands, so I ended up losing that game, but I, I ended up getting it back in two and three. Um, I mean, Thing in the Ice is just like so huge in that matchup, just being able to bounce their board. So... Um, Ended up winning round number two. Uh, round number three and four played against Abzan Greasefang, which is my first time playing against that deck in paper, at least. Um, for those who haven't seen this in Pioneer, uh, it is an Abzan deck, so you're, you get to play things like Stitcher Supplier or... Um, what's the, the green-black one called? The green-black spell, Millisop um, Five. Grizzly Salvage. Grizzly Salvage. Um, to essentially put vehicles in your graveyard and then you cast um, Grease Fang to put them into play. Kind of a, it's essentially like a reanimator deck. And uh, I ended up touring my first opponent, um, essentially just trying to like make sure that like they never, as long as they don't have uh, Grease Fang in play, they can never kill you with it, which obviously kind of sounds obvious. But the, the trigger happens at the beginning of, of combat, so like during their main phase they return it, you just kill it during their main phase. So you just have to hold up a, a removal spell for it. Um, thankfully it's a black and white creature. Um, if it was just black it would be more problematic, but because it's actually uh, white, you it does open up the door for something like a rending volley or a fry, and I, I have a copy of fry on my sideboard. So uh, it ended up not being too bad, just kind of playing a... A, a game where I'm trying to commit to the board, something like Ledger Shredder is huge, um, just because it's naturally a 1-3. Uh, so as soon as you get one counter on it, it's a 2-4. It can block all the creatures in the deck. 
uh, pretty cleanly. Uh, besides, obviously, uh, Grease Fang, which is the 4-3, and, you know, the, the vehicles if they get to attack. But, yeah, so I just, essentially just played Ledger Shredder and just, like, blocked, waited till I got enough of a board presence where I could just, like, kill them in, you know, two or three t- attacks. The, the one game I did lose, I lost game two of round four. I, we played this, like, really long, drawn-out game in game one, and I ended up getting it getting it in the long run. Uh, game two, I'm looking at my hand, and it's, like, Ledger Shredder, Consider, Opt, and I was like, okay. Oh, and uh, Fire Impulse. I was like, okay, so I have a removal spell. This is this is fine. Like, I need to, I need to wait till uh, turn three to actually do anything, right? Because, like, the Fire Impulse is only going to deal two damage if I try to cast it on turn one. So we'll just, like, Opt, and then will consider and then fire impulse and then my my impulse will be turned on that for three damage kills the grease fang i should be good uh my opponent just goes uh turn one stitcher supplier i'm gonna mill a Perhelion the second and grease fang and then turn two uh cast uh, can't stay away have you i've never actually seen that card before that card's a nightmare uh, for those who haven't seen Can't Stay Away, one, the art's adorable. Uh, it's a bunch of cats. But it is one black, one white. Uh, return target creature card with mana co- mana value three or less. Uh, from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains, if this creature would die, exile it instead. And it also has flashback for three, a white and black. Uh, so it is kind of, you know, un- essentially unearthed, right, with flashback. Uh, one extra mana, which I think is obviously very relevant, but... Um, it's very good in that deck, just because it's a very easy way to get back your Grease Fangs. Yeah, they just cast Can't Stay Away on turn two, and then I just conceded. I was like, I'm not doing this. So I just, I just died with the one land uh, in, in play. That was that was super cool. Uh, but I ended up winning game number three there. Uh, so it was, ended up uh, being 4-0-2. I had a situation where I could double draw into top eight, so I did. I think, I, in retrospect... I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I think Napsal was right, though, and I probably should have just played round six. If I lost, I, I think I would have been seven, and if I had won, I would have been first. And instead, I drew, and I was seven anyways. So, like, it literally didn't do anything for me to to draw. Like, I, I was better off just playing, I think. Um, I would have ended up in the same exact position, but I think, obviously, being on the play for the entire top eight would have been a huge benefit for me, so I, I probably should have played. Yeah. Um, but I ended up playing in the quarterfinal, and ended up playing against a Phoenix opponent who was on the play, um, had some really, really strong starts, and ended up losing. Um, really not much to write home about. I ended up mulliganing to, I think, six in game one. Um, not super competitive. I didn't know, didn't know what my opponent was on, but the, the hand was fine, but not great. Uh, it would have been better if they had a couple more creatures to remove. I ended up just kind of glutted with a bunch of removal spells and not much else. Um, and then in game two, I ended up mulliganing down to like a, a really weak five, but didn't want to mulligan to four um, on the play and just like died. I just didn't do anything. I uh, couldn't find lands. And then when I could find lands, I couldn't find um, actually cards to draw. My opponent was going off with pieces of the puzzle and treasure cruises and galvanic into treasure cruise and I got I got buried in cards very, very easily. So yeah, kind of a, a quick exit from the quarterfinals. But I mean overall a really good tournament. I learned a lot about the deck. And had a good time um, just being able to talk and chat with people. So very fun overall. 
I think the lift that I have, I'm pretty happy with. For, you know, if I if I'm gonna play this, I think we're we're still kind of in discussion about what what format we're playing for the uh, SCG Baltimore. But if, if this is the Pioneer deck I'm playing, uh, I, I think I'm happy with the 75 as is. But I I still want to tune the sideboard just a little bit more, uh, just in case. See if I want to change anything over the next couple of days, depending on, you know, what other decks did well in Pioneer over the weekend, things like that. I know there's, there have been some other decks popping up in the past week or so, so I do a little bit more research before I, I would lock this in. But it's not a bad place to start. I think if you're if you're interested in playing Phoenix, this is not the worst list you could be playing. I think it does a lot of things you really need to do in this format right now. Let's shift over to, I get Legacy then? Got some cool legacy things going on. I have I have thoughts on that format. Okay, cool. Um, have you do you have any thoughts on this really sweet deck that won the legacy showcase? Yeah, um, it's it's interesting to say the least. I'm very curious about it. So, for those who haven't seen it, um, hope I get these letters in the right order. CFT socks three. Um, one with, uh, I don't, I don't even know what it's called. I, I've seen it called like, Spellseeker Ephemerate. Um, I've also seen yeah. it called Spellseeker Zenith. I, I think Spellseeker Zenith is a better name. I don't know. I don't like calling it Ephemerate when the deck doesn't, like, need Ephemerate to win and there's only two copies. Mm-hmm. Like, there's more copies of Endurance than Ephemerate and we're not calling it Endurance. No. So... Well, I think the the idea of having Ephemerate in Legacy is just so different. I mean, like we have seen it in like you know some kitten builds and things like that, but like it is not a card we often see. I mean, to be fair, I guess we don't often see Spellseeker either. Um, and kind of going through the list, there's a bunch of cards in here I don't normally expect to see in a Legacy list. So I guess you could really call it anything. So CFT Sock is is known for like brewing these crazy decks previously uh they played like 60 uh, 67 card main deck for a while uh in legacy that was a fun time but this this deck's super interesting for anyone who hasn't seen it it's really built around spellseeker which is not a card we see very often um but it's like a three mana it costs two and a blue for what is it is it a one one uh i believe it's a i thought it's a one two actually uh, okay, but it searches up an instant with CMC1. I believe it's two or less. Actually, I was going to say two or less. Okay. So it is a 1-1. One yeah, one. You're, you're correct. Right. All right, so it's a, yeah, enter the battlefield, search your library for an instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost two or less, reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle your library, uh, and, and it's a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, so, I mean, that's actually, like, kind of powerful if you think about it right because like in today's day and age we can grab expressive iteration and we all know how busted that card is mm-hmm. you can find ponder brainstorm swords to plowshares and then uh, what he did was he created this whole package of things it could grab it could grab ephemerate and obviously ephemerate plus spellseeker are very strong together mm-hmm. uh getting additional tutors uh he's got like a one of orange chant the hydroblast the pyroblast and the traverse uh and then like so that's kind of the package to search for. Uh, and then there's also... It can also get Green Sun Zenith, which then means you get to play a creature toolbox. 
So there's like a bird, some paradise, the ice fang quaddle, a bunch of endurances, which are really good versus Delfer, uh, Uros, which are really good versus Delfer, Eternal Witness, which just lets grind, Knight of Autumn, Grist, and my personal favorite, Hornet Queen. Um, I heard that laugh, but tell me how Murkhead Region ever beats the card Hornet Queen. Oh, it doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very good. I mean, like, it, and it's one of those cards where I don't know what's going to happen, but, like, if that gets into the battlefield, like, I can, if I'm, I guess, way up, like, mentally, I can try to board in um, the, you know, the festival, but, like, I'm not, that's not really what I'm trying to do in that matchup, uh, looking at this list, so I think you would get a lot of people just having that in, in the main deck. Um, but yeah, this deck is just like, I don't know. When you look at it, it both looks completely crazy and completely genius at the same time. Like, you see things like the Birds of Paradise in the sideboard, and at first glance, it's like, well, why is that possibly there? But, like, it makes a lot of sense. The reason is, ah, uh, this is really a deck that's pretty mana-hungry, as I'm sure you can imagine, right? You're casting a three-mana tutor, you... You need mana to function, and on you know, for better or worse, uh, not everything in Legacy is playing blue. So like, you know, if CFC Sox playing against me and I'm on green white depths, their carpet of flowers are looking mighty dumb. Mm -hmm. So post board, when you take out the carpet of flowers, you get to bring in Birds of Paradise so that you actually do have a better chance of ramping again. And like, I think that's really interesting. And like, sudden demise is such a good find, mm -hmm. which is. It's crazy to me what a good find that is in the sideboard. Like, especially considering I've played Sudden Demise and Legacy, and had not even considered it for Green White Depths before. And, um, I don't know if it's actually good or not in that deck, but Sudden Demise just gives you so much flexibility um, because you hear arguments a lot like, is in the festivities or Rough Tumble or like Pyroclasm best? to deal with like elves and death and taxes and all those. But what I really like about Sudden Demise is you get to kind of have those effects um, on not punishing yourself. Like the, the downside of Pyroclasm is like you kill your own creatures, mm -hmm. right? So that's why you might want to play in the festivities, but then in the festivities isn't as good against like mono red and it's not as good against death and taxes because then you're not killing like stoneforge mystic or you're not killing goblin rabble master uh but then if you play pyroclasm then you're beating up on your own stuff but like playing sudden demise is good against elves because you can just name green and yes you are splash damaging on yourself here but at least it's going to leave like your spell seeker alive uh you can name like white versus death and taxes or you can name red versus mono red uh and so it's really nice having a sweeper that you can play in your creature deck that's actually good against all the other creature decks. Yeah, I mean, even to your point, too, of Earth Elves, there may be some splash damage, but, like, you can very easily just, you know, curve up something, you know, a game plan where you're just, like, you know, Abundant Growth on one, maybe on turn two I've got, like, a, you know, I'm just going to cast Ponder or Brainstorm or something like that, and then turn three, Sudden Demise, not worry about it. You also do have, like, you know, things like Uro, Endurance um, in the deck. So, like, you can very easily cast the Sun Demise and not lose any creatures in the exchange, which which is pretty huge for yourself. Yeah, I'm so curious about this deck. Um, 
I, I do th- partially think CFT Sock is just like a master, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it feels weird saying that because I feel like this is a player not that many people know. But like if you do know, then I, I, I think you like know mm-hmm. how good this player is. Um, and like I know Jarvis streamed this yesterday to not a lot of success, I believe, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I would love to see the master at work. I, I really want to try this. I'm not saying that if I'm left alone in the legacy seat, I'm going to register it this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do own all of these cards. Of so course. like... Oh, oh God. <laughs> we, uh... Yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely some interesting things here that I like. I mean, I think having three main deck carpets is, is a very aggressive take on the meta, but, like, there are a lot of blue decks, and they are pretty good. And I think having... Just, like, pushing yourself way over the edge... Um, in terms of winning percentage in game one, the first blue decks is not a terrible place to be. I also do like the main deck Pyroblast. I do think there's a lot of obviously good things that like Pyroblast is good for, right? You mentioned Merktide region before. But you know, Hydroblast will still tag something like Expressive Iteration. There are a lot of pretty relevant red cards, I think, in, the, in this meta as well. Like, you know, people you mentioned before, like Mono Red, there's the Goblin Ravel Master that might need to be taken care of it could be an opposing drc um so i'm kind of excited to see that here i think there's one copy in the main deck um surprised there's not a second on the sideboard but i think that's pretty sweet the the traverse is interesting to me too i just don't think i've seen traverse in a legacy deck before but it, it kind of makes sense as like a, a fifth green sun zenith in this in this deck that's kind of all about tutoring yeah, I don't really have strong thoughts on the Traverse, but it seems fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to what you said about like not everyone playing blue, so that's kind of something we talked about like ages ago when I had Kellen on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even though not everyone plays blue, like blue is such a commonly played color in this format, and especially like you have to keep in mind this was for the showcase challenge, so you can really meta game. Like. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think we were expecting, like, eight copies of Blue Red Dover at a minimum. So it's like, if you're expecting, that's about a quarter of the field to be mm-hmm. on Blue Red Dover, plus, you know, other blue decks, then you've got, like, pretty good odds of that carpet being good. And when you, whenever you play against something like Delver, that carpet of flowers is basically a soul ring. And we know that card's busted, except it's even better because it gives you you know actual colors on that mana mm-hmm. so i just think the upside is so high that i'm, I'm okay playing it main because you can always brainstorm it away that's true like, I, i've played carpet main and decks before um i don't know if you thought you've seen this line yet but the just uh, let me paint you a picture with words all right here we are you're sitting down versus your opponent they've got lethal damage on the board cast a worm's champ that's pretty good cool Next turn, your opponent has lethal again. Cast Eternal Witness. Cast Orm's Chant again. That's kind of annoying, but, you know, you ran out of Orm's Chant now. Well, now you cast Ephemerate. Eternal Witness. Get back your Orm's Chant. Orm's Chant them again. Cool. Rebound. Ephemerate. Get back Eternal Witness. Eternal Witness gets back Ephemerate. Ephemerate. Get back my Orm's Chant. Orm's Chant you again. And your opponent goes from not having really a turn to do anything ever again they can't cast spells they can't attack you and you just lock them between uh, ephemerate eternal witness and orange champ that sounds pretty sweet yeah i mean 
And don't, like, it can get broken up, it seems, like, fairly easily, but it is cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on the deck, right? I think instant speed, obviously, um, is the only way you can get out of that lock, but, or, I mean, it's depending on other cards, too, right? But for the most part, you're dealing with a, a lightning bolt or a you know, impulse, something like that. But, you know, you could very easily build up a, a force of will to protect yourself, something like that too or you know another ephemerate even to protect your combo it's a shame there's no teferi because that would protect you too yeah uh, teferi would be really good here and that's another card i'm kind of shocked but there there actually are no planeswalkers in this deck there's uh you do see yorian but i guess i guess grist is a planeswalker i always forget it's listed here with the creatures but um besides grist you're not really rocking any other planeswalkers you know, talking about protecting the combo just had me thinking about an old modern day. Um, so, so I'm going <laughs> to... Kind of awkward transition. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you remember, like, the Rock Eternal Command decks? Oh, yeah. I love that deck. Yeah, I wonder if you can play, like, Bant Eternal Command with Ephemerate. Like, I assume Cryptic Command is just not good enough. But, like, Ephemerate has to be a big boon to that deck. Yeah, I mean, we saw Ephemerate in, like, the four-color list before they would play the uh, Eternal Witness there. Um, I'm going to try to think about what that deck even looks like, but I, I we probably shouldn't. I, ty- I typed in a deck up on air last episode, and I was like, ah, oh, man, that sounds so annoying. So I'm not going to type up the whole thing here, but that is a... Yeah, I mean, I I, I just wouldn't even bother at all. No. I just... The thought of it makes me happy, because that, that was a deck that I just thought was really cool. Like, I never actually played it myself, mm-hmm. but it was cool. It was cool. I mean, like, I, I played versions of it. That was actually the, uh, I got second in a JSS to qualify for uh, JSS champs, and that was, I was essentially a Bant um, Eternal Command deck. I was playing Eternal Witness along with Crystal Shard, so this wasn't standard, so you can kind of date, date myself there, but the... You know, being able to get back a creature like that, even, you know, for as much as I was casting it for, is huge. Ephemerate is just such a, such a huge boon. Uh, being able to constantly get a card back over and over and over again, not having to cast the Eternal Witness, uh, but just being able to, you know, use every second Ephemerate to get back some removal spell. I was doing it to get back, uh, because it was with Crystal Shard, I was doing it to get back Umbazawa's uh, Jite and... Uh, Wrath of God, which was a, a pretty nice thing to be able to, you know, Eternal Witness back Wrath, bounce it back, and then wipe the board, and then pass the turn. My opponent's like, well, I don't want to play a creature because I'm going to die. It's like, yes, you will. So, yeah. But sideboard here is kind of cool, too. I mean, like, I definitely love the Sudden Demise. Um, the Nature's Claim is interesting just because I'm so used to seeing um, Collector Roof, which is also in the sideboard. Uh, but I kind of expected just to see two of them. I, I kind of like splitting it up, though, a little bit. Well, Nature's Claim is good because it works with your Spellseeker. Mm, yeah, so it's another shooter there. That's a good idea. So you don't have to go through the long line of Spellseeker into Green Sun Zenith into Collector Roof. It just uh, you know, cuts cuts a step out. That's, that's really nice. Um, I, It is worth noting, while you said that you like the sideboard, CST Sock has put on record that the sideboard does not map out well. Like the... <laughs> It is definitely misspelled. Okay. 
from the creator of the deck themselves. Not I am not the one saying it. Yeah, I mean, I could I could believe that. I mean, at the very least, the big thing that stick out to me is the fact you do have the three carpets and you're bringing in maybe one bird. But like, what's in the other two slots there? Like, I I feel like you want the amount of acceleration you have. Like, I guess you abundant growth isn't actually acceleration, but carpet for the most part is. Um, Green Sun Zenith is on turn one. So I, I think if you want to keep with that seven number, you're going to need at least another two cards, but I'm not sure how that looks then. I feel like you're just like cutting carpets, adding one bird, and then just like adding other cards because you need other cards versus your non-blue opponent. Well, it depends on what decks they are. But yeah, that was like one of the issues they they said was like against green white taps like you just have to bring in spell pierces because your carpet suck and that's like the next best card but you don't you wouldn't really bring in spell pierce against green white taps no yeah i feel like i would end up doing something something weird like bring ember cool the promised end because just because it does something potentially in the matchup but like that's not good the ember cool's never gonna resolve in that matchup <laughs> No, probably not. Well, it's not, because they're going to bog you, and they're going to endurance you to keep you off her out. Mm-hmm. And they, like, stop your eternal witness, so. Yeah, so that doesn't seem great. I mean, I guess Sun Demise could be decent, like, if you... No. You, well, I mean, like, you can potentially tag, like, a um, Elvish Reclaimer, but, like, I don't think you really want to be... No, you can't. I mean, you, you can, but I don't know if you'd want to be doing You really that. can't, though, because, like, you have to pay... You know, either three mana early or five mana late. Mm-hmm. You're, that's not happening. It, it, I think it's unlikely. Yeah. So the yeah, you're just in this like really weird spot with the sideboarding there. And I once again, I I haven't looked at how this maps out either, but I can imagine that being kind of awkward. Um, the other thing that kind of sticks out to me too, in terms of the lands here, is I'm very surprised there's not. Um, you do see like one trap. One tropical island here, but I'm surprised we don't see any copies of um, volcanic island. Um, they're they're going off of getting red mana all either off the basic or off taiga. Uh, I guess it's kind of not fair either because they do have the abundant growth in the deck. They do have the carpet of flowers, so like they they have other ways to make red mana. But I was just surprised with the amount of blue you have in the deck that you wouldn't have at least one trap, but they do have one taiga. I think they're opting to have the two tundras instead, just because the orange chant, I think makes it a little bit more uh, pressing to have double white, but I don't think you need two tundras. I feel like you're better off splitting that with a volcanic. Yeah, I, I think, I think the lands as they are, make sense because you don't want the other thing is, like, you're bringing in the red mm-hmm. against the blue decks, and so, like, you don't necessarily want to have have to put more islands into play than you need to against, like, control mirrors, because then they might just, um, if like, if they have their own carpets, like, out of the four-color decks or whatever, you don't want to encourage that. And then against Delver, like, you don't, you want to have a basic, because you're Pyroblasts are a premium spell, and you don't want to get wastelanded off of it. I I just don't think you like need the Vulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you could definitely. I do like that part. Like you can definitely just play a game off basics here, 
um, two forests, two islands, a plains, and a mountain. Uh, and, you know, be able to cast all your spells. And once again, that's not to mention the fact you do have um, other cards that produce mana for you. Um, I, this is a deck that I could very easily imagine playing uh, Abundant Growth on top of your Windswept Heath just to have it produce mana for you. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things going for this deck. Uh, hopefully we see some iteration of it in the future. Uh, I, I always like when we get decks like this. Um, never a huge fan of the, of the Blue Zenith deck in general, but this deck seems to be doing a really good job of what it's trying to do, and I think having you know all these interesting cards like Spellseeker, Ephemerate, Traverse, Uvenwald in the, in the format's a, you know, a good thing. Not so sure about Hornet Queen, but, you know. Hornet Queen, great. <laughs> so another deck that kind of caught my eye um, from this past weekend was True Heroes, Jeskai, Delver List. Just because it's playing a couple cards I haven't seen in the shell, I, this does kind of remind me of that deck that uh, Staterson was playing for a little bit. But you were going, we're going heavy on some things that I'm not used to going heavy on. Uh, so... Just for example, this is playing four Delver Secrets, playing three Esper Sentinels, uh, three Murktide Regents, and also playing two Trunium Nemesis. Which, what happened to Trunium Nemesis? We just have not seen that card in a long, long time. It's just been, like, kind of outclassed, is the issue. Uh, and, you know, I think we've talked about this before. It's just, like, if I play a Trunium Nemesis, and then you resolve a Murktide Regent, like, which one of us is winning? Mm -hmm. I... I think, you know, in addition to just being its own threat, True Name used to have, like, this great role in that, like, it could block a Gurmag Angler all day, or, like, it could just be a roadblock for whatever you needed it to. But the threats, uh, especially in the Delver Mirror, so many of them are, like, in the air, or, like, have, you know, they're a row and they gain three life and draw you a card whenever you attack anyway, so, like, you don't even care if it gets blocked or not. Um, and so True Name just kind of doesn't, do enough which feels bad to say and like it's you know kind of nice in this world where like murktite regions die left and right to all these pyroblasts and red blasts that like you know once this true name resolves that's it like it's there so that part's kind of nice but just all the other threats are kind of better yeah i actually did play true name a couple months ago ragavan was still legal for for context here uh but you know i was just playing one but the number of games where True Nemesis comes down and, you know, does the classic I'm an I'm a unblockable three damage ah, thing with, yeah, a decent amount, but three mana's a lot. Like, I the, I, I never get used to, or I guess I never really think about it, but, like, Murktide Regent costing two is so much nicer than than uh, True Nemesis having to cost three, um, especially in the matchups where you, where you really want it, just because you need to be so, I don't want to say aggressive, but like your mana is so important. Murktide Regent being bigger, having a fast, meaning a bigger clock or faster clock, and also only costing two is like a huge difference. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think we're way past the days where Gurmag Anglers are, you know, holding up the ground. So, yeah, it's definitely not the not the same animal it was. But do, why would you? Why are we seeing it in this deck though? Like, what kind of role does True Name Nemesis fill in this list here? So I mean, True Name. I mean, not True Name. True Hero. Just I think always plays interesting deck list, right? So I think it's kind of important to look at how they were approaching Dover. I think they're really 
trying to play like a low to the ground resource game and you can see that with like their inclusion of stifle and their inclusion of esper sentinel like they really just are trying to kind of confine the game um and so i just think they wanted true name because it was just this i don't want to call it cheap but like cheaper efficient threat like you know it gets in play and it does what it needs to do of attack and they're just trying to keep you off balance long enough for that tree to get in and i think not having to worry about the chances of it dying once it hits play are just very good uh, you can see that I, I'm, I'm more interested about the surrounding shell though i'm like not super <laughs> interested in the true name itself no yeah you're definitely right like the esper sentinel does a lot of really interesting things to the deck in general um you know our friend uh Brendan kind of had mentioned this in our chat a couple months ago, I think, at this point. But, like, being able to have someone pay the one extra for Esper Sentinel and then being like, oh, by the way, Dave, is just, like, so rude. <laughs> um, and you, you kind of see that a little bit more here, too, because, like you said, Stifle is another re really easy way to attack people man uh, attack people's mana. Uh, Spell Pierce also does that, and that's the one of in this deck. Um, so when people try to, you know, do the right thing and pay for the Esper Sentinel, God forbid you draw a card, uh, they're opening themselves up to get encountered by other things. So I will say, I do like, um, I do kind of like the white in this deck. Uh, just having additional, re well, I shouldn't say additional, but having actual main deck removal that hits Murktides in the Delhermere is really nice. Um... It's weird to me, though, looking at a Delver list that has white and not seeing Stoneforge Mystic. Mm -hmm. I know lots of people always said Stoneforge Mystic and Delver don't belong together anyways, but, like, I don't know. In my heart, they do. It's weird not seeing it play out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is definitely something that, you know, especially with Trinity Nemesis, I'm so used to seeing those two paired together. Uh, but yeah. I think, and, like, you know, there are, you know, historically has been... Jeskai, you know, Stoneblade decks, or, you know, Jeskai, um, yeah, Jeskai Stoneblade decks, um, that are able to play them, so I guess, you know, cutting them out, I don't know, I'm not sure why. Again, I just think we're trying to play such a low resource game, like, I think we're trying to leave mana available to stifle, so playing your two drop is, like, like, I, I understand three is more than two, mm -hmm. but, like, not only do you have to, tap, like, tap the two mana to play it, but then you need the mana to actually put whatever you got in play. If you get, like, a two-tie, then you actually have to pay the mana to equip. So it is a big mana investment, and I just don't think that's the kind of game that True Hero was trying to play here. Um, and it also takes up a lot of slots, right? Yeah. Typically, you would play three copies of True Name, or not True Name, three copies of Stoneforge Mystic, and then two to three equipment so that is five slots versus you know that's five slots you could be using for other things i think more interesting to me than that is the fact that uh he is playing jeskai and has an equal number equal number of tundras and volks even though he's got like what is that eight white spells in the main deck mm -hmm. and only four <laughs> four red spells like i'm surprised he's not on four tundra three volks and then also the fact that there's no expressive iteration. That's what I was going to say. Again, speaks to just really, really, really trying to play like a quick low to the ground game. Like he doesn't, 
Expressive Iteration is really kind of a game that lets, or a card that lets you grind, and I just don't think that's where he wants to be. But it, it's just interesting to me that he's foregoing, like, these really powerful spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... But, you know, it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and just saying, I do not, like, I am not a deck who's going to play Expressive Iteration just because I can. Uh, I'm going to play it because I want to, and, like, nah, I'm good. Is is such a statement to me, especially you know considering the fact we said true new nemesis kind of not what people are doing right now. But expressive iteration is, and nah, I'm I'm good. I'll do this instead. I think it's a huge statement. So I I'm excited. I'm actually going to play this deck, um, and I'm going to try to. I guess I want to say this quietly. I'm going to I'm going to try to record it. Um, <laughs> So we haven't record. I feel we have not recorded content in many, many moons. But I'm gonna try to record this uh, playthrough here uh, with this deck. Just because I think this deck is just really, really neat. I I, I love Mark Todrige and I love um, this type of deck. And I, I don't think I've seen one like this in a long time. Uh, there was a I know a challenge two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where like somebody did really well with like a Rug Delver, um, and that kind of you know reminds me of the fact that we do have other options besides just jamming, you know, for Delver, for DRCs, which also is not in this deck, um, and, you know, four Merktides in a deck and going from there. Like, you know, there's still a lot of other things we can do. Yeah. Um, I want to tell one of my favorite Stifle stories while I'm looking at the Stifle. Sure. I just remember playing at a local event back when I was on Jess Guy, and I was trying out Stifle, and it wasn't, like, necessarily stock in that deck at the time. Mm-hmm. And... I'm like, my opponent plays a land and I play a land. Like, they play a fetch, I play a fetch and pass back, and they just look at me, they go, Oh no, am I going to get stifled? I was like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so they play a second land and look at me and pass. <laughs> and I just play a second fetch land and pass back. And I'm like, Oh crap, I should have I fetched while you only had one land. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, so then, they're like, okay, I need to cast my spell. So they fetch, I stifle, they fetch, I stifle, oh. they force, I force back, and they're like, go. And then I just, <laughs> like, look at them, and I play a wasteland and a true name nemesis. Love it. <laughs> it's just like, do I win now? Yeah. Oh, that's I so have good. three mana, including a wasteland, to your zero permanence? I think I win. So good. Yeah. Oh, um, but anyways, other Stifle decks. I don't know if you've noticed, Stifle Knot seems to be making a resurgence in Legacy this past week too. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I don't. It, it's a surprise. It's not a deck I kind of expect to see, um, but it has been showing up a little bit more often. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that it has a ton of results yet, but like I know Max Dorshin played like a rock list. Um, Brian Koval, friend of the show, just uh, like put out a video playing um, a bug version, and I've been like running into it some in leagues. So I guess other people are uh, picking up what they're putting down, and I, um, you know, it's uh, it's cool. It <laughs> it it's weird because it's very frustrating uh, to be on the other side of it when it works, but I also feel like it. I don't know how often it works, but yeah, I mean, it's cool because. You get to play Dress Down, so you can do, like, the end of turn, like, end of turn, I'll cast Dress Down, untap, play the Stifle, or, like, 
the Phyrexian Dreadnought, and then you can leave up, like, Spell Pierce or, or whatever to help you resolve it. Or, like, in Max's case, you could do, like, the End of Turn Dressdown, untap, and then you can play Phyrexian Dreadnought or Hurrah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, you have the Stifle, but you can also just, like, mana denial them. But, like, I do think having essentially eight copies of your Stifle does make the deck much stronger, and especially because... You know, dress down has so many other use cases, right? Like stopping a fastest oracle from killing you, or uh, killing all the constructs out of like eight cast, or my least favorite, taking indestructible away from merit lage mm-hmm. so that you can kill it with I, I don't know. Um, but it's it's nice getting all those abilities in addition to like, you know, obviously stifle can be backbreaking as we just heard in my story mm-hmm. um so i i definitely think it's a deck that's interesting especially because stifle is like i think it's one of those cards where everybody kind of gets used to playing around it and then it disappears and then you just like don't think about it and you know right now is one of those points where even though uh, people have started playing it again I, I don't think it's on people's radars so like people will just play fetch lands pass and not think about it and like it's very easy to blow somebody out with a stifle if they mm-hmm. don't see it coming yeah absolutely i mean that card is the card's very brutal uh, it's and once again like there was a point in time where like you expect that you're going to be playing against rug delver and you know that they have stifles so you know you need to fetch on your turn one because you can't do it later maybe that opens you up to wasteland but like can't beat the stifle so um you know, the fact that we're kind of in a situation where the Stifle has come back again, I think is, is really cool. Um, looking back, you kind of mentioned Bosch and Roll. Um, Brian Koval, if you haven't checked out his stuff, you know, he's fantastic. Um, he, he has a bug list um, that actually got a 5-0 in a league uh, this uh, weekend, um, playing Lazalve the Multifarious, which is the one that copies cards from Graveyard. So you can actually copy your Dreadnought for one mana, uh, which is something I've done in EDH deck before, but never in Legacy. Um, you can also copy Uro out of your graveyard, which I think is pretty sweet. Um, and like you mentioned, like that's a, you know, the stifle Uro interaction is really nice, just because you can put the land into play and then use that land to actually cast a stifle. So that's really nice. The list, this one got 19th in the challenge. Um, it's just like straight blue-red Dreadnought list, which, you know, I'm used to seeing them. A lot of them have green in them in some some way um this one's actually playing the four copies of dress down it's playing the four stifles but it's also playing one slip out the back too as another way to get your dreadnought online yeah i mean it's a weird one but it works mm-hmm. it, it's just neat i mean the fact that it's a it's another it's a fifth stifle in that kind of situation but also i mean slip out the back has some playability anyways i think those you know, being able to f- phase out a creature um any creature is, you know, really, really important in some matchups, at least. So, you know, that can get rid of a lethal Murktide region, or that can get rid of a uh, Merit Lage for you for a turn. Like, there's a lot of kind of cute tricks you can do with Slip Out the Back. Yeah. Anyways, even though I could talk about Legacy all day, we've probably talked about enough Legacy, because, you know, we're running out of time. So, <laughs> I want to bring up some things we've been seeing in Modern. Hmm? I don't know if you've noticed this. I was just looking at results. It feels like I'm seeing a ton of the red-black scam deck. <laughs> yes. 
but just a full disclaimer, I think I've made this abundantly clear. I hate this deck, but um, I also enjoy playing it. I think it's, I think it's interesting, but like it's the deck I love to hate, if that makes sense. Uh, have have you you've played with it? I have played with it. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you played with it? Um, so it feels like it feels like a deck that if I didn't try to do the cute you know, un- undying malice stuff, the deck would just be good anyways. But also, just like, when you get to do the, you know, I'm going to grief you three times in one turn nonsense. Like, I was playing a black-white version before. Um, the black-red, I think I've played, like, once. Um, and, you know, being able to grief somebody twice on turn one and again on turn, you know, again on turn one, I think it's just, like, still messed up because the number of times... <laughs> Uh, I had an opponent who did that. So I was on the play. They mulligan to five. I griefed them, got rid of their, I think it was a draw spell or something like that. Um, and then I undaunted Malice to bring it back, and my opponent just, like, snapped conceded. I'm like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense to me. You just do a bunch of stuff that's, like, really messed up, but then also I feel like you end up in this weird middle ground like, there's the games where your deck would be better if you didn't have the these removal spells. There's games where the remo- the rebirth and all that stuff is ridiculous. And there's also this middle ground where, like, you're trying to play, like, a fair game with somebody. And, like, you just happen to keep drawing two cards because you have a Season Pyromancer. Or, like, you end up killing some creatures because, like, your opponent lightning bolts your fury and you bring it back. And they lose their other two creatures. And now they you essentially three-for-one them. Like, it's... The deck's actually really resilient, and kind of thinking about it as a really strong mid-range deck with a very explosive, mind you, like, terrible on card advantage, I guess, in in some situations, but a a really powerful deck on turn one is... It it puts the deck in a weird spot in my mind. I just, like, don't know if it's... if it's better off being a red-black rock deck, or if it is better off with this kind of explosive turn one evoke game plan. Um, and obviously it's it's been successful with the evoke game plan, but I don't know if it, if we're kind of fooling ourselves or this is actually like the correct build of it. Yeah. So I guess I should clarify for people who might not know from the very descriptive name what red-black scam is, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's a deck playing Ragavons, uh, typically like Dothy Voidwalkers uh, and Season Pyromancers, and then it's like uh, Grief and Fury, but it's got cards like Malakir Rebirth and Undying Malice that like for one black mana, when something's about to die, it comes back. Uh, so that you can do turn one, Grief you, like with the triggers on the stack, like oh, Undying Malice, and then Grief you again, and now I have this Grief, and I've just, like I've thought seized you twice on turn one, and you have to deal with this three, two minutes. Yeah, so I've also played with it. I just felt like, one, my opening hands were awkward to look at. Mm-hmm. It was always awkward trying to figure out, like, okay, do I grief my opponent twice here on turn one? Or, like, do I just cast this Ragavan? Um, and then, like, I was leaning towards grief because I was like, okay, then I can take the lightning bolt out of their hand and then I can follow it up with this Ragavan and I'll be unbeatable, ha, 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 mm-hmm. But um, it was awkward. I I, I don't like looking at Ragavan in my hand on turn one and going, this is not the play. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> it feels like it can't be right, even though I think it is. Um, but yeah, this deck was 
weird because I just feel like you're spewing cards on turn one, mm. and then, like, I would be drawing and I'm just like, okay, I've got this 3-2. I hope my opponent, like, doesn't draw Lightning Bolt or, like, I can't win. Um, and then they just, like, wouldn't draw Lightning Bolt and I'd win. And I'd be like, okay. Uh, it just felt like I had no right to win any of the games I was winning, but then I just, like, kept winning anyways. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's a really bizarre place to be. But yeah, I just feel like I'm seeing a lot of this deck, so mm-hmm. I would definitely advise people are prepared or like know what this is. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I mean, the deck is once again the deck is just powerful. Anyway, it's like I mean, Grief Fury, Season Pyromancer, Croxa, Dalty Voidwalker, Ragavan is a very good creature package as is. Um, and you do have things like Lightning Bolt. You have things like Thoughtseize. You have things like you know Terminate and Colgate's Command, like. Fable the Mirror Breaker even is actually really good in this deck. Um, you know, just I, I'm just going to make a copy of this Season Pyromancer. Let me draw a couple cards and discard and make some tokens. Like, there's a lot of really, really good things that this deck can do. Uh, it just... In, the other thing, too, that I've you know personally been afraid of is like, well, I just don't want to kill your creature because I'm afraid you're going <laughs> to grief me again. Or I, I'm afraid you're going to, um, you know, I used a Expressive Federation. You're gonna sacrifice your Voidwalker and get back, get it back with uh, Undying Malice or something like that. Like, there's a lot of things you to kind of be afraid of, you know, as the opponent trying to remove these creatures and interact with this deck. So, it it definitely poses a challenge. And like, yeah, you definitely need to have a a plan, a very clear plan, uh, in order to play against this deck effectively. And then. One one thing that I feel obligated to talk about is obviously my pet deck, uh, <laughs> so you know where we're going. Yep. People have been playing Scapeshift in Amulet. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not. It's uh, been very bizarre to me. Um, there is a streamer by the name of Arya. I don't remember her last name, and I think I would mess it up too, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't want to do that. Um, but Arya, who is a very strong player, has been tinkering a lot with um, with this deck on stream. Uh, her stream is Hogpog... Oh, shoot, I forget the numbers. 98? 93? Yeah, Hogpog underscore 98. Um, but a very strong player has been putting a lot of tinkering into this deck and has come up with this idea of playing Scapeshift, which, like in some ways makes no sense, and in some ways makes a lot of sense. Um, I feel like Scapeshift is, you know, a card that you generally think about when you have a lot of lands into play, and while Amulet is a land-based strategy, you don't actually put that many lands into play a lot of the times until the game's, like, basically over. Um, but, well, what it does is it kind of lets you have additional tutors, um, which sounds weird, but <laughs> if you have an Amulet out, then you can scapeshift and get like a Simic Growth Chamber, a Toleria West, and if you can get three bounce lands, you can tutor four and tutor for a Summoner's Pact and play a Titan and go off from there. Right? Or sometimes you just have Dryad out and you just get to scapeshift for some Valakuts and they die on the spot. So it's a little versatile. Uh, can be a tutor, can be a kill spell. I had games well, game singular, where I was able to, like, tutor for Besaju plus Simic Growth Chamber to not die versus Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, see, it just gives you, like, 
kind of some interesting lines. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I'm not convinced it's good yet. Um, she has been putting up great results with it. I know uh, F. Paul Loops uh, has been pleased with it, and you know he's somebody whose opinion I also trust a lot, and like I trust Arya's opinions on it. Um, I'm still not convinced, but I know people are putting up results with it, so I'm definitely curious to keep trying it. What I actually do really like that she's come up with is Tyrannus Magistrate in the sideboard versus um, Rhinos and Livian. Mm -hmm. I actually do, like, it's funny, because I feel like everybody keeps being like, oh, Scapeshift, she's so smart, she's so smart. And I'm just like, Tyrannus Magistrate, she's a genius. Yeah. Uh, which I <laughs> was pr probably the easier one to find. But that, uh, I mean, that's the one that I've been happier with. For those who haven't seen Dreadnought Magistrate, because it is a, it, if you play Commander, you've probably seen this card a number of times, but uh, it is one colorless and a white for a 1-3 human wizard. Uh, your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands, which obviously in a Commander, super annoying, can't cast your Commander. Um, but, you know, you, we do see that this is a card that shows up in, you know, Vintage sometimes, like that's a, the way to keep people from killing you with Underworld Breach. Um, it's also a way to, for people to not kill you with uh, Yawgmoth will, right? But a uh, similar, similar vein. But also it's a way to um, stop opposing uh, both the Citadels. But it, it does work here as well. Like, it's a that's a really good find that I, I didn't think of. Yeah, it, it's just really good against Living In because, I mean, Living In players... Yes, you can bring in your relics and your endurances, but they, they come prepared to beat those cards, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think any living in player shows up to a tournament and is just like, oh, I've never heard of that card before. <laughs> like, what's that do? Um, but Dranath Magistrate is like, their deck is just not built to interact with this card. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not killed by Force of Vigor. Like, yes, they have like Ottawara, I guess, and they have sometimes Brazen Borrower, but like, most people aren't on Brazen Borrower. Most people aren't playing that many copies of Anawara. Some people aren't playing it at all. So just not that much in their deck finds this. And by the time they find something, it could very easily be too late. Even when they find Anawara, like, four mana is a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, like, notably, too, it, it has three toughness, so it's out of stomp range. It's out of fire range. Um, it's not, you know, like, I think something like uh, Eidolon of Rhetoric, I think, does a really good job. And, you know, I guess Rule of Law in the same vein, but uh, the fact that this isn't symmetrical, I think, is it's nice. Not that it really affects you. I don't think there's anything you'd, you'd really want to be casting uh, from anywhere other than your hand anyways as Amulet Titan. Uh, but the fact that it's not an enchantment or an artifact is really huge, because, you know, I think that's a, something like a Force of Vicar is something that both those decks kind of would not blink an eye at having to bring in. Um, also, it, it's two mana, so this is a really nice thing to get in underneath something like a, a subtlety, which I know can be problematic for Titan uh, versus those decks. So uh, I think it's a, it's a good idea. Yeah, very smart. Mm -hmm. uh, I know she was also trying Woodland Bellower out yesterday. I'm kind of curious mm -hmm. how that uh, panned out. Um, she's also playing Tangled Florahedron, which I can't imagine that one's good, but you know, I'm, I'm curious. I definitely need to go back and actually watch the VODs. Yeah, you could get a little research in, see if that uh, that pans out. I, I think the scape shift is really interesting, though. I mean, like, that's a... I could imagine you on turn... Well, even say turn three, right? You, I mean, maybe you go, like, 
turn one grazer, turn two um, amulet, and then turn three, you play your land, go scapeshift, sack all four of your lands, get four bounce lands, make a bunch of mana, and then go cultivate a colossus. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you have a you have, what, one mana floating. You have at least four lands in hand, so I guess you probably well, want to keep. You don't want to pick one. up all your lands though, because then your Colossus is going to die. Yeah, so probably keep one in play. So I guess you'll what, three bounce lands and a crumbling vestige. Like that seems yeah, pretty legit. It works. So yeah, uh, there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff here. This is uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen this uh, this person stream yet, so I, maybe I'm gonna have to go catch them. Hogpog98. Okay. Writing that down. Cool. Alright. Anything else you want to chat about? Nah, it's time to go make dinner. Yeah, I think so too. I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, we do have uh, SCG Baltimore coming up. So, you know, if you are going to be around, please, you know, come, say hi. We have tokens. We're also very nice for the most... Oh, sorry. I'm very nice for the most part. Mapsing can That's be... That's not true. What? I am, I am so kind and, and nice to people, usually. So, you know, definitely stop by, say hi. Um, you know, we'd love to talk to you about basically anything magic. So, you know, definitely say hi if you see us. Um, I'll take a picture of myself before the event so you can tell what I, what I look like without the mask or, I guess, with the mask on. So... All right, well, Mapson, uh, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me, like you said, at SCG Baltimore, or uh, on Twitter and Twitch at Expedition Map. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. Uh, if you're interested in finding the show, we're at Depth underscore Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I had mentioned this during the show, but we do have a bunch of different links, including uh, my Moxfield. We have uh, our YouTube. We have our Patreon. We have our PayPal link. All that fun stuff. All those links are on our Twitter page, so you can just check us out there if you want to find any of that fun stuff. Um, and like I said, um, if you do th- run into us at SCG Baltimore, please say say hi. We'd love to meet some of you. We've seen a couple of you actually, you know, between uh, the Bolo Chicken Dip Legacy and you know local events. We've met a bunch of people, a bunch of listeners, and you know, we'd just love to meet more. So uh, please stop by. Well, I guess uh, I'll see you next week. Bye.